Well, here we are. Five years, well over a million downloads. Not that we like to talk about numbers too much. 250 episodes. And we could only be talking about one group today. The Fast Food Rockers? No, uh, we'll, we'll do them one day. Uh, but for our fifth birthday, for our 250th album episode, we could only be talking about Pet Shop Boys. It's Pet Shop Boys Fundamental on Track by Track. Here we go. Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. And for the 250th time, this is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down, track by track. And on the turntable this week, to celebrate our fifth birthday and our 250th album episode, it's Fundamental by Pet Shop Boys. And we haven't got many left now, actually, so uh, we might need to come up with another group that we absolutely love. No, there's no one we absolutely love as much as Pet Shop Boys. But you're right, because after this, we've only got one Pet Shop Boys studio album to go track by track through, which is the six-track album, Introspective. Although we do know they're in the studio at the minute. Hurry up! With James Ford. Come on! If, if they could release it by the end of the year, actually, that'd be great. One of our albums of the year, perhaps, with... Neil and Chris, perhaps? Uh, it's, I mean, it's going to happen sooner or later, isn't it? We're going to make it happen. And that should sound quite threatening. That's, <laughs> that's how that should be heard. Uh, by this point is uh, because, of course, we have tried. And, of course, we'll keep trying. We'll keep trying. We'll keep persevering. We'll keep pestering, I think is probably the right word. Uh, harassing, pestering, bribing, mm. blackmailing... And well done on getting their home addresses, by the way. That was some serious work. I think you you're talking about a honey trap as well, mm, potentially. Yeah. Not with you. It's the honey, obviously. <laughs> Why obviously? <laughs> no, actually, let's not get into that. It's meant to be a celebration. This Celebratory week. episode. We're not going to start backbiting quite so quite so early on. But yeah, fundamental. What, so what started five years ago with super, mm. uh, we're now going to be talking about fundamental. And I think it's worth saying that, of course, with some of these big celebration episodes, we've we are having a little tipple to celebrate the anniversary, and Will's just nearly foamed over, himself. foamed over the equipment. Mm. What a way to go out! Out with a bang! <laughs> but we've had many special guests. We've had an introduction from Neil Tennant. There's something I really like about this time. About it's our fifth birthday. It's our fifth anniversary. And we've gone right back to how it started. It's just me and you, Will. Two lads getting down to it in a room on a table. Mm, with Pet Shop Boys playing in the background. Uh, uh, who could want any? Who could wish for anything mm. more? And I'm sure many of our listeners have had uh, enjoyable times as well. I'm sure. And of course, if you've missed it, yesterday on our actual fifth anniversary, we released our first five years episode. Retrospective. Which is the real celebration of everything we've done so far. That was looking back, and now we're looking forward. Now we're looking forward to an album that was released <laughs> <laughs> 17 years ago. Because Fundamental was released in May 2006, recorded during 2005, on the most part. And this is a really special 
Pet Shop Boys album for me because this is the first Pet Shop Boys studio album that I bought on CD that I looked forward to release day. I think I bought Pop Art before this and worth noting this is an album that came after a Greatest Hits, which is always an exciting time, I think, for a band. But yeah, I remember going to the shops on release day to my local independent record store, Pendulum Records in Retford, Nottinghamshire. And I just couldn't wait to hear this Is whole that a paid album. promotion? No, they've sadly closed down. Like most record shops, unfortunately, yeah, these the, days. The, the boom of streaming and downloading and all that kind of stuff killed them, which was a shame because it was my favourite shop when I was a young teenager. I remember when this album came out so well. I was f- foaming at the mouth again, literally, mm. to list to get these new tracks to to get to complete to be a completist listen to every remix every possible iteration of the music that was uh coming on here and obviously some years later we got the further listening version which gave us even more and obviously we'll be talking about some of the tracks from that later but i i think for me it was the excitement after uh release in 2002 it was the excitement for a completely brand new pet shop boys album yeah and then the run that that led then to a new album every three or so years running up to 2020 does mean we are technically due an album this year we so are i don't mm. want to be pin them down on that but if they want to keep that going yeah uh, maybe you know, it was four years between Super and Hotspot, wasn't it? But it would be really nice to have it this year. It'd be a real treat. I still get the excitement from thinking back to the days of like Fundamental and earlier of when they released that new first new track from the album. Oh yeah, and you know the the promo happens as well. You get some remixes. You get always you get the B sides. Pet Petro Boys always very generous with that as well. Yeah. And it was no exception with Fundamental either. You definitely got that. And in fact, once again, spoiled for choice for this episode's further listening. Absolutely spoiled. But yeah, 2006, very exciting time um, to be a Pet Shop Boys fan and in music as well. There was a lot going on, as I'm sure you're uh, prepped for with some chart chat. Absolutely. Some wonderful chart chat today. But I just want to touch upon something you just said there because you mentioned four years between Super and Hotspot. There were four years between release and Fundamental, which at the time was the longest gap that had been between Pet Shop Boys albums. They made us wait four years. However, as I said before, we did get Pop Art in the middle, which had those wonderful two brand new tracks, Miracles and Flamboyant. Before that, we had Disco 3. We also had their battleship Pot- Potemkin. I've never actually said that word out loud. Potemkin, apologies. I can tell. Yeah, (laughs) sorry about that. The release of that soundtrack. We also had their Back to Mine album as well. And I'm sure, as you can imagine, with Petra Boys, lots in the middle too. So lots to enjoy from Petra Boys, but great to get a studio album after that wait. Also, it did feel like a reinvigoration. Some, Some people would say a return to form, not me, but a reinvigoration in their sound uh, yeah. and in their music because this album does feel different. It feels fresh, expertly, excellently produced as ever. Trevor Horn was back Trevor Horn for the was first time back. in a long time. And yeah, let's get that out of the way now because it's Trevor Horn and Pet Shop Boys producing throughout. 
And it's the first time Trevor Horn had produced a track of theirs since It's Alright in 1989. And of course, he did lots of other work with them as well back in the 80s. But wonderful to have him working with them again. But also, I feel like he brings more of a Trevor Horn sound to this album than he did when he was first working with them. If that makes any sense, if that's even possible. I, I, I get what you mean with that, because with this album, it's orchestral, mm. but also hugely electronic. It's quite epic, the production on a lot of these tracks. But in the mix, you've also got some very personal content and messages. Very personal, very political as well. Very political, yes. So this is something else that's very prevalent in this album that you don't necessarily feel uh, as strongly on the surface is the, the political lyrics and intent behind some of the songs. And, you know, maybe that had a lot to be said about where the boys were at in terms of the state of the nation, the state of the world at the time. And we'll touch on some more specifics as we go into the tracks. But, you know, maybe they just felt it was time to sort of stand up and, and say more. Yeah. Because release released into release released in two thousand and two, of course, a year after nine eleven, an event that changed the world. But I imagine a lot of the material already written for that, this was released after, after the aftermath of that, and that's I think with tracks certainly with tracks like I'm with Stupid, where you really get an idea of just how strongly they felt about what was going on in the world, uh, and that immediately evident uh, if you actually have the uh, physical album you can see in the notes that uh, the album is dedicated to uh two gay teenagers from iran yes uh, mahmoud asgari uh, and ayaz mahoni because they were hanged most likely because of engaging in being homosexuals uh, obviously not what the official line was at the time but again, right off the back, right off the bat, actually, is the official, um, is, the, is the proper phrase for it. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's something I've learned today. Mm. Right off the bat, you have that message there in the notes before you even get into the meanings and the readings of some of the tracks on there. And they don't shy away from politics now, do they? There's lots of posts on Instagram and X, as apparently we're now calling it, apparently as it's now called. Nope, still Twitter. Still Twitter. Lots of posts about what's happening in Ukraine mm. and elsewhere in the world. They don't, they, I think as time goes on, they're, they're more and more open and more and more vocal about those kind of things. Uh, and obviously they had their Agenda EP, which was purely commentary on the times that we're living in. Yeah. I mean, the forgotten child on that, just chilling oh, and stunning. Absolutely stunning. Uh, and, you know, I really enjoyed that EP. I know it had its knockers. I know you weren't a huge fan. No, honestly, not a massive fan of it. But The Forgotten Child, one of my favourite songs of theirs from the last decade. Maybe there's a little bonus episode there just talking about um, that EP. Well, as we said, we're running out of if albums. We're going to have to do the EPs. Not ideas, just albums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and ideas. No. So if you don't know who Pet Shop Boys are... What? What are you doing? Where have you been? Where have you been for the last however many episodes? I can't even think. But, well, I suppose if anyone's listening for the first time, welcome, first of all, to Track by Track. Well, yeah, hello. Um, and You've got lots of homework to do. And if you are listening, yeah, thank God you're here. Thank God. 
Yeah. So, yes. Hello to anyone that's listening for the first time. Hello to everybody. Uh, hello if you've listened to, first of all, all 250 album episodes. Yep. Wow. If you have, wow. Thank and you. if you've also listened to all of the new music drops, self-isolation specials. Special edition episodes. Special edition episodes. All the stuff on Patreon, yeah. uh, further, the further listening series on Patreon, the remix series on Patreon. The disco series of the Pet Shop Boys albums on Patreon. only on Patreon. And if you're not on Patreon and you're wondering what we're talking about, we have recorded a lot of additional content that's only available on Patreon. So yes, of the 250 album episodes we've, we've released, 54 of them right now exclusive to Patreon. And of course, there are the additional series that you mentioned as well, Will. Uh, Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe are Pet Shop Boys. They met in London. They're not from London, but they met in London. Are they from London? No, they're not. They met in London in 1981. And they have gone on to have a hugely successful career as a duo, uh, producing, writing uh, music for themselves and others. They have toured. They have written they have composed composed remixed they have remixed so much um over such a short in the grand scheme of the world over such a short period of time yes and the history of the planet in the history of the planet it's a, such a short period of time do you sometimes think as well thank god i was alive at the same time as pet shop boys yeah because oh, i think that yeah uh, also they've got no signs of stopping slowing down anytime soon just this year we have had uh remixes we have had uh, uh an ep released yeah we have uh, had the promise of new music they are recording and actually i'll do a deal with them mm. i don't mind if they don't release a new album this year okay but let's at least have a single this year with a couple of b-sides that'd be that'd be a real treat oh do you know what i'd love a new christmas single <gasps> yes imagine it doesn't yeah. often snow at Christmas. I think for both of us, it's a staple of the Christmas playlist. But a new Christmas song from Pesha Boys. Mm. Just let's put that out in the. Let's manifest. 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 As that. they say. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about Fundamental today. Uh, fantastic ninth studio album from the Pet Shop Boys. It was released in May 2006 to critical acclaim. More on that later. Uh, and to huge commercial success as well. We're going to go track by track through it today, plus we're going to talk about some further listening from their further listening, which, as we always say when we do Petrol Boys episode, our further listening section and Patreon episodes were inspired by the Petrol Boys approach to releasing further listening. It's all about Petrol Boys. As we've already said on some of the big celebration episodes, the idea of a track by track podcast was inspired by Petrol Boys going track by track through some of their albums with David Williams. Mm. And we thought, well, what about the Pet Shop Boys albums they haven't done? And also, what about the many, many, many other albums out there? And here we are today. Should we get stuck in? So let's do it. For the 250th time, side one, track one, it's psychological. It's psychological.
so psychological there. Opening fundamental and a really interesting track. Again, especially coming after Pop Art, after their greatest hits, after the release of Release, a much more kind of acoustic indie Pet Shop Boys album, if you like. This feels very electronic, very stark, and really just very intriguing, doesn't it? Really leads you into the album not fully knowing what's about to happen. It is. It's such a weird beast to start off with, but I like that because, yeah, it piques your interest going into this album. Mm. Again, side one, track one, first new album for a long time. You're kind of like, well, what's going on here? What is this sound? I think one thing is certain, you know, it is a reliably solid, you know, electronic beat. Uh, and, you know, it has all the hallmarks of a of a Pet Shop Boys kind of beat and synth running through it. But it's Neil's vocal delivery as well that's very uh, otherworldly in ways. It almost feels like like a journey into somebody's head. Yeah, it does. And oh. obviously some psychology, psyche, psychological, you know, it's off, It's about kind of how somebody thinks and how someone interprets things. And I think this is a certain, you know, if you think about the human mind, it's a, uh, it's a very strange, complex place. Something maybe you don't want to think about too much. Definitely. With certain people. With, why are you looking at me like that? Uh, just looking at you, just because of that. We're recording in person, of course, for the 250th we yeah. episode. We're sat across each other at a table, with candle burning. And this is all true, actually. Yeah, within spitting distance. Yeah, let's not. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It feels like, I, it feels like some, I get imagery that's almost like the start of the Twilight Zone. But instead of that gentleman there, who's, I'm sure people know his name and is very well known, and, and I've forgotten his name, it's Neil Tennant there talking about what's going on and the lyrics as you said it's a really interesting more kind of spoken delivery but this kind of the list of things he goes through just feels kind of in some ways very to the point very obvious in some ways very cryptic things like i thought i heard a baby cry i thought i heard a train down in the cemetery cellophane it's all just very like list like and Mm. some randomness to it but it's yeah, randomness is a, is a good word. It's on the surface seems quite random, but then when you start to look into it a bit deeper, again there are things that you can pull out. One thing, I guess, to to bring a parallel in is around homosexuality. Yeah, and in, I think if you read the booklet, uh, another reference to the booklet, it's something that Neil read in uh, a book about Oscar Wilde in the nineteenth century gay people were called psychological yes again and we've mentioned this previously and we'll mention it again pet shop boys i think and certainly neil with the lyrics often referencing lgbtq plus people in history you know they form part of that if you watch a a documentary on bbc2 about lgbtq plus musicians of the 80s pet shop boys are going to be there or musicians of all time but they themselves referencing the people that came before them And I remember when this album came out and when I bought this and played it a lot, this is when I was running a pub with my parents. Uh, One of the best things about that, I thought, was that I could choose what music was playing in the pub. And so the day this album came out, I had it on. And I remember one of the local, bearing in mind it was a local village country pub, they were probably wanting to hear a bit of 
Billy Joel and that kind of thing. I remember one of the locals saying, what the hell's this? It's like torture. <laughs> and I thought that's how rude, how incredibly rude. But I also thought the repetition of the synths and the idea of this psychological thing, that's probably what Pet Shop Boys meant. So actually, that was probably a compliment to them. Yeah, they'd have loved that. Yeah. If some yokel in a, in a pub in the back end of no, arse end of nowhere, some dead end in a... Sorry, just, I'm feeling quite offended here. <laughs> oh, no offence. Mm, you should have said that earlier. <laughs> Obviously no offence. Well, not always <laughs> obvious. <laughs> uh, yes, I'd imagine they've been as pleased as punch with that because I guess the their approach is always to do something different, to create different soundscapes, different, different approaches to lyricism and the songs they make. So I think this... I mean, it's not the catchiest song on the album, but it definitely draws you in, doesn't it? It definitely does. And worth noting, of course, there's a lot of the repetition. There's a lot of the very start music. But there's also that wonderful section where Neil says, or is it all in the mind? And it becomes this whole dreamy soundscape, which takes away from the kind of quite craft work, isn't it? The, yeah. the repetition and the stark. and the. I'm just going to say the same words over and over again, I think, for this song. <laughs> And worth noting as well, there is a remix of this track from Alter Ego. So we talked about that there's a, a further listening version of this album that we're going to be referring to that includes all of the B-sides and some demos and stuff. But when the album was released, it also came with a disc called Fundamentalism. Well, if you've got the limited edition version of the album, which was mainly made up of remixes, uh, including some of the album tracks. And yes, this is one of those. Did you have the fundamentalism version, Will? I I didn't, no, sadly. Do you have it at the minute? No, but it might be one of those ones I go and find, like I did with Very and Relentless. Yes. Because you've got to get, you've got to catch them all, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, And you've got it on vinyl? I do have this one on vinyl, yeah. Do you know what? I don't have every Pet Shop Boys album on vinyl. I, I, I aim to and I will do. But this is one of the few because it was such an important album to me. And I had it on CD... I got rid of all my CDs to Music Magpie. I probably got five pence for this, which I kind of regret now, but I needed the space at the time. And yeah, so this was one of the ones I had to get because I do think, and we'll come on to it, we're gabbing on a lot about this song, but I do think this is such a cohesive work. Yeah, but it's not afraid to surprise you though. Absolutely. But I think the the theming, the, that kind of political theme runs throughout the, you know, having Trevor Horn throughout as well. All of their albums are, are cohesive, really, but this one for me just works so well. You have to listen start to finish. Let's carry on listening then, shall we, with track two the Sodom and Gomorrah Show. Sodom and Gomorrah in a show, the there. And <laughs> this is one of the first big standout moments on the album for me. I when it starts, it's like some sort of twisted circus. Mm. And then Ooh, twisted circus, I like that. And then the song kicks in properly after the spoken word intro. And you've actually got quite an instrument led 
with drum and guitar running through it with a fantastic uh, layered synth in the background. But which is, you know, the sound of the song is one thing, but the meaning of this song is, I mean, again, it could be referencing homosexuality. There are interviews where Neil has referenced um, the state of the world, uh, rolling news channels and kind of the deterioration of things. Again, the political side of this album coming out in full force. I like the idea about the person in featured in this song is come out, is coming out and is being exposed to the world of homosexuality. And although it might not be the easiest or most pleasant experience, is certainly getting something out of it. Yeah. I quite like to think that. Because when you think about Sodom and Gomorrah, in the very literal sense of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was uh, a reference to to cities, biblical cities, um, that were a place of badness, naughtiness, wickedness, debauchery, sin. A bit like your, your place on a Saturday night, Dan. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, but I love the way it's dressed up around the conceit that the Sodom and Gomorrah show is a place, is a world of debauchery. Definitely. I lo- yeah, this is... Definitely a favourite of the album, though I'm probably going to say that for more than half of the songs on the album. But again, listening to it for the first time, hearing psychological, getting that kind of really strange vibe and then going into this. I love the playfulness. I love the, what do you call it, twisted circus and that mm. kind of carnival theme to it. The D- dirty circus. A dirty circus. It sounds like a club that I frequent. Dan's Dirty Circus. Mm. Start your own club. And even from the off, from that spoken word, which is delivered by Fred Applegate, who is an American actor. He has been on stage in the likes of Beauty and the Beast and Wicked and Guys and Dolls. Uh, He's also been on lots of TV and been in films, he's been in The Producers, but just opening it with that. And I think what's great as well is that they could have thought, oh, this could be a great album opener, but I like that it's not. You've got the psychological start to things and then you get taken into this twisted circus I'm just going to keep saying that I mean it it would make a great album opener and a great theme and backdrop for the album that this is the Sodom and Gomorrah show yep. and the tracks that follow will lay that out even further but actually it's its own self-contained story as well isn't it and I'm so glad you mentioned the musicians as well because that's one of the things that really stands out about this album isn't it the the drums the strings the backing vocals a lot of the people working on this album are trevor horns regulars frequent collaborators so you've got tessa the niles section the horn section the horny section you've got tessa niles of course friend oh, of the podcast tessa. on backing vocals who of course has worked on uh, lots of pet shop boy stuff as well you've got Anne dudley composing of course uh worked on and, and from dudley yep from dudley worked on the Look of Love by ABC and often tours it with them. You've got Lowell Cream, who we've talked about before, um, formerly a member of 10CC and produced and directed music videos in the 80s, including Duran Duran's Girls on Film. And you've got Steve Lipson and you've got Phil Palmer. So lots of names that I think we've mentioned before on the podcast, but all bringing that classic, huge orchestral Trevor Horn sound 
to the electronics of Pet Shop Boys. And interestingly, they wanted this to be the lead single. Really? Mm. It's a little bit, it's quite dark and a little bit niche, I think, to be lead single. I agree with you. I think it's, I don't think it would have worked. But having said that, it's often in the live set list. Not always, not on every tour. And certainly not, of course, on the current Dreamworld tour, which is all about the hits. But I'm pretty sure we saw this live when we saw Inner Sanctum. Yep, it was definitely there. I remember you singing along, actually. Do you? You look so happy. Oh, well, I want to go back to that. Happier times, yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, what would you uh, What would you imagine seeing at the Sodom and Gomorrah show? Oh goodness me! Um, sort of th- activities and oh, the um, where the lady's got the metal grinder and she's uh, making sparks fly between her legs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The um, breast uh, firework cannon. Oh, I've not seen one of those. Oh, I've got one. Uh, you pop it on for the next song. Listen to the next song. Yeah, yeah. You can let off. Yeah. You oh, can let off while you're wearing one. it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think there'll also be some like uh, wild animals roaming around the place mm. as well. There'll be uh, lots of leather. Yes, and pleather probably as well. Leather and pleather uh, and feathers. Leather, pleather and feather. So that sounds like a soft sell album. <laughs> lots of nudity. Oh, plenty of nudity. Well, you'd hope, wouldn't you? Mm. Uh, and lots of... Very muscular men. Mm built like uh shit brick houses yes yeah and what you'd probably hear maybe i think you might hear a bit of this but it might be a little bit heavier might be a little bit darker it might even be the remix from fundamentalism which was the dettinger or dettinger remix which was simply called gomorrah and what would you how would you feel you'd feel used abused Actually, uh, I'm getting vibes of the southeast corner at Glastonbury. Yeah, but but a bit, but with more muscular men. Yes. Mm. Do you want a nap? You're salivating a little <laughs> bit. Do you want a tissue or something? I mean, they don't come with spit guards for nothing. <laughs> I'll stop wearing one of those myself. So I could say all day at the Sodom and Gomorrah show, actually, will, but we should probably move on to the next track. I was going to say you would feel used and abused, but also. Excited, turned on, and curious. Ah. I think it would awaken things in you. It's a lovely way of putting it. Well, you got away with words. Have you ever felt all of those things at once before? Uh, yeah, when I went to your mother's pub. Ah. One time. It was Tarts and Vickers night, wasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and of, oh, I, I wanted to say before, actually, Will, Sodom and Gomorrah, um, the sinfulness of things. Of course, Sodomite came from that. Which is something that would get thrown at homosexuals. Yes. Unjustly. Unjustly. Let's move on then. Let's, I could stay at the Sodom and Gomorrah show all day and all night, but we've got to move on. And this would have been a perfect way to do it, actually. I made my excuses and left. And clumsy as I felt At stumbling on this theft Further embarrassment, I made my excuses.
made my excuses and left there. I'm probably going to say lots of things on this episode that, that, you know, I've said before and I'll say it again. But I think this is one of the most stunning and most emotional songs in Pet Shop Boys' back catalogue. And what's wonderful about that is that actually it's a song of two halves as well. You've got that incredible, what feels like an instrumental opening, but actually there are very uh, muted vocals in there from Chris. And then you've got the bulk of the song itself, which is just heartbreaking lyrically. And combined together, it just creates something that, again, after Psychological, after the Sodom and Gomorrah show, you're not quite sure where this album's going, and this kind of just stops you in your tracks. Well, yeah, because it's quite—it's very sad, isn't it? Very sad. And, but before we talk about the sadness, just to talk about the opening of this song, recorded on Waterloo Bridge mm. into Chris's Nokia phone at the time. That's why the vocals are so yep. distorted. But it adds to the haunting feeling of losing something, I think, because it's a good minute and a half before you re- you, the song starts to move into a more traditional sense and you start to get more of a flavour for what the song's about. But I enjoy, you know, the sounds, the background noises at the beginning, the sounds of traffic. Honks. Honks. And for, for a long time, I didn't know what Chris was saying. I didn't know what that vocal was. I thought it was just a, a sound. But he's actually, if you didn't know, he's actually saying, I'm all alone again. I'm all alone. Oh, I hope he was okay. Well, Waterloo Bridge, feeling lonely. Be careful. Mm. Get help. If you feel lonely, don't go out onto a bridge or a clifftop or headland or top of a high building. No. Seek help. Yes. That's if, you, if you're feeling lonely. But, yeah, the song itself, once we get into it properly, we're talking about loss and knowing when to go. So, are you off then? (laughs) No, I'm digging my heels in. And it's based on a true event as well, which I didn't know until researching for this episode. Again, always loved the song, always loved the emotion behind it. But I didn't know that it was inspired by this idea of an actual event where Cynthia Lennon walked in and discovered John Lennon and Yoko Ono sat close, looking into each other's eyes and kind of knowing what was going on. And then when you kind of picture yourself in her place and read those lyrics, you know, you really do feel for her. I suppose the moment of clarity where you just need, you know what you need to do. Yeah. It does, it makes me think about... um, you don't like to make your excuses and leave. You just like to leave. Irish exit. Fren- oh, French exit. Oh, different. Mm. Well, apparently around the world, certainly around Europe, it's called something different because everyone's got their own idea of who's who's more likely to leave first mm. and without saying goodbye. I, I've i often done a, an exit, an early exit, let's say. And sometimes it's too much hassle to have to explain oh. and then say goodbye to everyone. It takes half an hour. You could have been home by that point. Just send message, send it in the group chat. Yeah. Say, I've, I've left. I've left. See you later. Enjoy the night. No explanations, no apologies, no, no excuses. No, just leave. Mm. Own it. If I, if I wrote the song, it would be called I Left. <laughs> that could be your biography title. Oh, lovely. Danball, I Left. And speaking of books, in... 100 lyrics and a poem. Was it 100 lyrics and a poem? Mm. Neil Tennant's book of lyrics. 
um this is one to just sit down and enjoy there's some wonderful moments in there my favorite being a silence filled the room awkward as an elephant in the crowded court of your love i was now a supplicant stunning absolutely stunning and you know very 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 but yeah after that very strangely uh enthralling uh opening track then the kind of twisted circus of fun and debauchery that was track two a very sad moving song for track three it is anyone's guess what's going to happen next should we find out here's track four now Minimal there. Oh, Dan. This group are going to be the death of me. Really? They're so good, aren't they? They are so good. <laughs> I mean, I've loved the last three tracks, but I really love this one. It's everything that's right about Pet Shop Boys and electronic pop music is just... Everything, it's all. It's like a tick list, isn't it? You've got the fantastic, uh, meaningful, melancholic lyrics... You've got a great pace and beat to it. Some fantastic synth work and production. The song sounds huge and epic, but heartbreaking and personal at the same time. And the minimal title totally reflected in some of the minimal electronica in it as well. In it. In it. In it. In it. Uh, I just think it's an album high for me and probably a... Oh, I just don't want to go too big. Go big. No, I... 250th episode. I'm scared. Five years. Go big. Uh, Bigger is better. One of their best. Oh, wow. I can't believe you said that. Well, I'm... Even breathless now. But when I say one of their best, there are a lot of their songs that are at that tier for me. Yeah, of course. But I agree with you. And I find it's... When I think that about this song, because whenever I play this album in full, this one comes on, I think, oh my God, I love this song. And then I think, God, that's really strange because... It feels minimal in terms of experimentalism, I suppose, because it feels just like core, true Pet Shop Boys. Even the fact that Trevor Horn is producing this, it takes it back to their early days. I think this is the one that could have been a Pet Shop Boys song from any era. Um, But at the same time, it's maybe the one that sounds most of the time when it was released, most kind of... uh, the electronics are more prominent and you know the electronic sound is constantly evolving and what's available for for them and for chris to use it's just on so many levels it's such a strong track little detail but you know i have i've got a few like favorite things that happen in pop songs one of them is a list yes another one is uh spelling out letters yes yeah, agree. On and both. it's probably not the first or last time that Pet Shop Boys have done this, done that. No. But you get both on here, which is wonderful. And I think just what ties it between, and I meant to say this actually between track two and three, but this one as well, what ties it all together is 
Trevor Horn and Anne Dudley's incredible orchestral arrangements. Just stunning. And towards the end of this song, not only the electronics merging with the strings, which is just euphoric, but also the bass at the end of this. Very new order. Very Peter Hook. Mm. And again, testament to the things you can do with an orchestra. Yes. What would you like to do with an orchestra? Uh, well, I'd like to. Uh, well, I'd like to get an orchestra together and sing sing songs while they uh, do their thing in the background. Mm. Well, you, uh, there's all sorts of kind of karaoke things. Now, there's rockyoke apparently. A live rock band plays live, or you do it. There's just general band karaoke. Orchestrioke. Orchestrioke. Where a fifty-piece orchestra is available for your personal pleasure. Mm. Have you ever been pleasured by an orchestra? Don't no, answer that. <laughs> I've pleasured 50 pieces in one evening before, but <laughs> not an orchestra. It, I just, what I mean by that is just where electronic pop music is concerned, you'd think the two couldn't exist together. Yeah. Some people certainly would think that. But we know better, not just through the Pet Shop Boys, just through appreciating cross genre work and knowing how these things can fit together. And again, I go back to that uh, Northern Soul um, orchestral prom that I was watching the other week. Did I? I think I mentioned that on another episode. You mentioned that in the future, Will, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well well done. I don't know how you've managed that. (laughs) But I watched the the Northern Soul prom, uh, which was hosted by Andy Oliver. I love Andy Oliver. Mikita Oliver's mum. Yes. TV cook and host. And she was joined by... P.P. Arnold and Clark Peters, two musical legends. Uh, and interestingly as well, I won't talk about this too much because it's not at all related to fundamental, but I mean, the music was fantastic and I'm enjoying Northern Soul more than I've ever done. But one of there were four singers that kind of took it in turns with the orchestra to perform legendary Northern Soul tracks. One of them was an uh, icon that is Vula, who you'll remember as being one of the vocalists with Basement Jacks. Oh, really? Yeah. And she was phenomenal. You used to love Basement Jacks. Yeah. Still, I think they are still going, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're still going. But not as prominent, prominent. as they were. Mm. But anyway, that's another great example of an orchestra doing something different with a different genre of music. Uh, I'd love to go. Should we try and find a Northern Soul night and go to? Love they to. They dance all night. Have you seen the film Northern Soul with Steve Coogan? No. It's a fantastic film. It's, I think it's just called Northern Soul. And he's yeah, he's in it, set in the 70s, 80s. But mm. wonderful film. But back to Minimal. Back to Minimal. This is our first single of the album. First single. And before you do some chart chat, I've got to say, tons of fantastic remixes for this track. Uh, and as with every Pet Shop Boys album and era, they know exactly who to go to for a remix because you have got Toka Disco giving you some huge Ibiza vibes. Uh, you've also got Tigger, Super Chumbo, Telex Hell, Telex Heaven remixes and Tom Craft as well on the remix on the single for a remix of In Private, which is definitely worth listening to as well. Maybe we will later. Really? Maybe we won't. Oh, you... You're a birthday tease, aren't you? I am, yes. You take me up the pathway, but no cake. <laughs> Maybe just a light frosting. Oh, and that's lovely. So, this was a single, Will. This was the second single released 
from Fundamental in July of 2006. And this is just one of the best charts. I don't know why. It's something about this time. I, I, can you tell I'm excited? I can't even get my words yeah, out. It's yeah, dead helpful, excited. Yeah. This one didn't set the charts alight. Entered and peaked at number 19. Top 20 hit. Top 20 hit. It was a different time. It was actually. Dropped out to top 40 the week after. So it doesn't matter. Pretend that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. But the top 10 that week, Will. Number 10, Maneater by Nelly Furtado. Number 9, a new entry for Kasabian with Empire. Number 8, Rogue Traders, Voodoo Child. Number 7, Get Together by Madonna. Number 6, McFly with Don't Stop Me Now, Slash, Please Please. Number five, James Morrison, You Give Me Something. Four, Lily Allen, Smile. Three, Rihanna, Unfaithful. Two, Christina Aguilera, Ain't No Other Man. And number one, Shakira, featuring Wife of John, Hips Don't Lie. Some big naughty songs in there. Some big, very naughty songs. Is that what you said? Naughty songs. Naughties songs. Sorry. You're thinking about the hips. And uh, Ain't No Other Man. Uh, but also, uh, Nelly Furtado there in her Timberlake era. Funnily enough, at time of recording... Nelly Furtado is back with Justin Timberlake and Timberland. Yes. Uh, with a new track, which is very faithful to what she was doing back then. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, God. <laughs> it's it stopped me dead in my tracks there. <laughs> I had a listen on New Music Friday. It's fine. Are you still listening to it a few days later? No. Okay. So it's just, it was fine. And Will, can I ask you, I hope you don't mind me asking you this. Can I just talk about the single artwork, please? Because it's wonderfully in keeping with the album artwork that we'll come to later. And maybe not specifically the album artwork, but the whole campaign artwork. Because it's very us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like neon lights, but they haven't been turned on. Mm. Minimal. 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 Yeah. Minimal. Uh, I, uh, uh, from a distance, from a distance, <laughs> uh, it looks like... Uh, those long like balloons that you make balloon animals out of but it is actually neon that's not been switched on which i really like and yeah the ar- other artwork is a variation on the same theme yes very us very us. but also pet shop boys art direction they never put a foot wrong do they absolutely not the pet shop boys never put a foot wrong and i think even when we've done release in elysium we've plenty changed to, our plenty, tune. To, plenty to enjoy there yeah but i think for Chris and Neil, the music is obviously central, but it's also about the performance. It's about the video. It's about the artwork. It's about the whole package. Yep. That's why there are most talked about act on track by track. And we do like a well-presented package. Always. That's a fundamental... Basic requirement. Basic human right. Yes. Okay, moving on then. Track five. We've got another single. No. So numb there, and wow. Well, this song is certainly epic in its production and its writing. 
But I think this is one that certainly split the fans as well, didn't it? Because mm. it's very unlike, I would say this is very unlike any Pet Shop Boys single, and this was a single that we'd had before. Yeah, and I guess you could put that down to the fact that this is not written by Neil. This is written by Diane Warren, no relation. Uh, oh. Legend, musical legend. Are you, how far back in the family tree have you gone? I said no relation. Yeah, but you, I mean, I'm just wondering if you might be wrong there. Have you thought about who do you think you are? Uh, I don't know if they'd have me on. Mm. I'm not sure if... Well, we have done po- five years po- of this. Podcast host is enough to get... Won't get certainly won't get me on Strictly, so... Uh, I'm not sure they have TikTokers now, so... But yeah, this is very, you know, the song about an anaesthetist that gets addicted to administering his own uh, <laughs> drugs on himself, you know, is, you know, a, a, le- a left turn for them, but... <laughs> That actually sounds like a really good idea for a song, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? And, it? and you could imagine uh, it being a potential reading from a Pet Shop Boys song called Numb. It's not, though, to no. do with this, because I think this does deal with grief. And it's wonderful because a Diane Warren song, sung and performed by Pet Shop Boys on paper, shouldn't really work. But for me, this completely works because I think you still have... You have Neil's, again, I've used this term so many times in this episode alone, a very unique vocal where normally with Diane Warren songs, we're used to Aerosmith, who were offered this song first, or we're used to Cher or Celine Dion, these huge vocals. But then as well with this track, you've got the Trevor Horn huge production and you've still got really subtle electronics underneath it, but they are there. Chris is there in the track. I adore this song. I know, again, split opinion. I imagine there's some diehard Pet Shop Boys songs who don't like it. I absolutely love it. What is it about it that you love? Well, just those, those I think the fact that it shouldn't work and the emo- I guess the most important thing about this song, and as you said, it's about loss. It's about wanting to feel numb. The most important thing about this song is that that emotion comes through and that you pick it up as the listener. You hear that and you feel that. And I really do, in every essence of the delivery of the track, I hear that and I feel that. But what about you, Will? Not always a big fan of ballads. Quite often will uh, be more open to that from Pet Shop Boys. What do you think of this one? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I, even I can't deny that. Uh, I, but I definitely concur with the fact that it doesn't sound typically like a slower song that Pet Shop Boys would do. What also feels strange with this is it was picked up and used during the 2006 World Cup after England got eliminated. And I don't know how I feel about a song which is very entrenched in personal grief, death, basically, being used for something more frivolous around the national team being kicked out of the World Cup. Because football is just a game, isn't it? Just a game at the end of the day. Mm. It doesn't mean anything. But, Sorry to any football fans listening, uh, it's just a, just a little dry joke there. But it is a game, and this song is being used, this very emotive, very personal song is being used to suggest football fans are mourning England being eliminated from the World Cup. I don't know, it just doesn't sit right with me, really. And But it's it's funny, isn't it? Because then the success of this song commercially could be contributed towards, in some part, to that as well. Yeah, 
I think so. I and I see. I really have a distinct memory. I don't know if it's a false memory of hearing of seeing that clip and hearing this song over it and being quite surprised. So I don't know if I saw that afterwards and looked it up, or I don't know if I just happened to be watching because I wouldn't been watching Match of the Day, but I just maybe it was on the news and they overplayed it. But I distinctly remember at the time thinking, "Wow, they've used this song for that." And interestingly, this was originally going to be one of the new tracks on Pop Art. Uh, so in place of Miracles or Flamboyant, we'd have had Numb. I'm so glad we still got both of those tracks because they are both phenomenal Passion Boy songs. In the makeup of the album, it's great to have this slower, very reflective moment right in the middle as well. And actually, I'm all for the fact that it was on this album and not used elsewhere. Same. And also, Trevor Horn says about this one, it went from being an electronic track to an acoustic track and then back again twice with a 50-piece orchestra. So I like the idea that they, they weren't... There was a lot of... There's a big journey with this song and a lot of changes. But, you know, it feels like maybe more than most Pet Shop Boy songs, it, it changed. But I love the version that it became. How did it do as a single? Well, a couple of thoughts here, Will. It didn't do too badly at all, actually. This was released as the third single of the album. Again, different time. But it entered and peaked at number 23, which nowadays, I think, if a Pet Shop Boys song got to number 23, would think that's absolutely amazing. But actually, it was only the second single ever of theirs to miss the top 20. So it probably felt like a bit of a miss for them. They were probably a bit numb. No, I shouldn't do that because I've just said a thing about using this song in a belittling way or almost in ways that doesn't do it justice. So so well done. Ignore. That. No, ignore I said that. I shan't ignore it. Looking at the top 10 that week, another iconic one. I just have distinct memories of working at the pub, working at the family pub and also driving around in my Peugeot 206 and blasting out a lot of these songs. So number 10, Ordinary Boys with Lonely at the Top. Number nine, Lil Chris with Checking It Out. Eight, James Morrison, Wonderful World. Seven is P. Diddy featuring Nicole Scherzinger with Come To Me. I don't remember that one. Number six, Meatloaf, It's All Coming Back To Me Now. Five, a new entry for Girls Aloud, something kind of ooh. Four, Scissor Sisters, I Don't Feel Like Dancing. Three, Bob Sinclair and QTB with Rock This Party, Everybody Dance Now. Two, America by Razorlight. And one, My Chemical Romance, Welcome To The Black Parade. I've got to hear them, got to, got to hear them. I've got till three o'clock. Something, 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 something. What a chart, what a time. And well, we've talked about the campaign, the single campaign, the album campaign, all matching. But actually, I made a mistake. This final single did not follow suit. Yes, Dan, you're right. In what can only be described as an absolutely terrifying <laughs> CD single cover, uh, it is two two people with uh, absolutely shit scary beaks on, mm. and it is Neil and Chris in those uh, the plague doctor masks, aren't they? Oh, I hate them. Yeah, they absolutely make my skin crawl. Or I, mean, I can't believe they actually used to wear those. But it's the equivalent of the masks we wore during the COVID years. Just looks like they're just very otherworldly and they're going to kill you. They won't. They might. They might. And the image was taken by Sam Taylor Wood, who maybe we'll be talking about 
on a future episode. I wonder if she's uh, taken a photo of her extremely attractive, much younger husband wearing one of those masks. Wearing only the mask. Oh. Now there's something to think about. Mm. Dan? Yeah? He's absolutely gorgeous. He is absolutely gorgeous. And if you didn't know who we were talking about, uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Lovely guy as well, I imagine. Is he? Probably. I don't know. I don't care. (laughs) Now, one of the things I've often wondered about this song is how Diane Warren... Did I say it weird then? Dion? Diane? Diane? said Diane. Diane. Did I say Diane? Well done me. (laughs) Diane Warren felt about having Patrick Boys sing this. And there are some rumours that there was a bit of a... A clash. Ding dong. Maybe a little bit. So much so that Neil Tennant has said that she actually offered them a different song called Kisses on the Wind. But they refused or politely turned down that one in favour of this. I hope. Quite a farty song. I imagine so, yes. (laughs) Kisses on the Wind. Okay, track six now. God Willing. Willing there, just a much shorter instrumental track that what it lacks in lyrics, it makes up in a side one ending atmospheric climax. Yes, but there's something very interesting about that because apparently this was initially well, first of all, it was going to open the whole album, then they changed that idea, of course, and we had psychological, then this was going to open side two. And because this leads nicely into the next track, Luna Park. But then on the first pressings of the album on vinyl, this does end side one and Luna Park opens side two. Then when they repressed it, they changed that so that this does open side two and then goes into Luna Park. So this song's been all over the place. Well, it's been an opener, a closer. It just shows how versatile a piece of music that it is. I do think it's found a good home at the end of side one. I would respectfully disagree. And I know you would expect that from me. Mm. But for me, this flows so nicely into Luna Park. I often think about it just being an elongated intro. And God willing translates to inshallah, uh, an an Arabic phrase uh, or expression uh, used by Muslims. And it's thought that that's part of the whole post 9-11 feeling of the album. Um, They purposefully wanted to create an Arabic sounding track. Wonderful guitar work in this one, will I have to say. Yes. Again, yes. Uh, the orchestra, the full instruments working with the Pet Shop Boy sound. So, moving on then. It's either the first or the second track of side B of the album, depending on which version you're listening to. But it is Luna Park. And when we're getting higher, we're happy. Somebody's eating fire, we're happy. So Luna Park there. Now I have to say, this when I first listened to the album way back in 2006, I think this is the album track that I played over and over again. There was just something about the the style of this one it's almost quite 
psychedelic. It's mm. quite, it's very dreamy. And I loved the way it merges into the chorus and the cor- chorus really lifts the track somewhere else. But all the time, the the lyrical content, the title Luna Park, you feel like you're in some strange, you know, we had, what did we call it before? The circus, the... Twisted Circus. We had the Twisted Circus. Now we've got some kind of psychedelic amusement park here. Or I think one of the main readings that's take that's been taken away from this song is a comparison of Luna, Luna Park being America. Yeah. And the state of the, the state of the states. Yep. Again, post 9-11. You've also got the word Luna, which, you know, when you see Luna, you think loony. <laughs> or you can do anyway. <laughs> and the connotation there being about a crazy world, something somewhere that's in disarray as well. Which kind of, you know, is the complete contrast of what you'd expect from the amusement park, the, the actual Luna Park. I've been to Luna. I've been to Coney Island, so I know exactly oh. Luna, uh, Luna Park means. It's nice when you can picture something like that quite clearly in your in your mind. And there's been it's been there from like early 1900s, hasn't it? And mm. then I think se- well, I say several, a couple of versions of it have burned down, and I think that adds as well to the their version of Luna Park. It's not all joy and light and candy floss. It's it's burned down to the ground. So many metaphors within this one. But musically, what do you think of this musically, one? Musically, I think, again, it's another it's kind of beautifully, beautifully composed and produced track. And I like the fact that you're starting off side two a bit more down-tempo because we all know how side two finishes. And are you a fan of the funfair, Will? I do like the funfair, but I don't like, um, like the kind of local funfair. It never seems safe. That's, yeah, a little bit concerning. But also, after you've been to, like, Disney, which we have together... Yeah, not just us two. Not just us two. Uh, how does a, how can a local funfair compare? No. In fact, there was one near us recently, up on Blackheath. Sure, lots of kiddies were very amused, and it's great for the small businesses and whatnot. That's all the niceties out of the way. <laughs> but it just looked like it was just caged in with that temporary caging, so you mm. couldn't get in without paying to get in. And again, when you compare it to the immersiveness of an actual theme park, whether it's Disney World or just, you know, your good old local Alton Towers or Thought Park or whatever. Yeah, it just feels a bit. Yeah. I think they have a cheek as well, charging to get in and then charging again to go on the rides. Because I never used to do that. When mm. it was in my local town on the, on the big car park, you didn't have to pay to get in. Mm. You didn't have to pay to get no, in. No, 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 you shouldn't have to, no. I think. Track eight now, I'm with Stupid. I'm with Stupid there, a song about Blair and Bush. But which one is the stupid one? Both. Well, you could say that. Some would immediately say it was Bush. Some might say, well, isn't Blair the stupid one for going along with him? Mm. I don't know. But probably one of the most overtly political songs on the album. Not that you would think it when you watch the video. Great video. Mm. Yes, great video featuring the aforementioned David Williams. And Matt Lucas of Little Britain. Yeah, who would have been at the height of their BBC fame at this point. 
And of course, we know David Williams, huge Pet Shop Boys fan. I was going to say maybe more than us, but I don't think so. He's, he's not done a podcast about them, so... No, but he has done further listening with them on Spotify. Uh, track by track with them on Spotify, Will. But yeah, in the video, they are... It's a pastiche of the Pet Shop Boys themselves. Again, very self-referential. We were talking about that previously on an episode that's yet to be released. And... Uh, <laughs> But they're very game, aren't they? And I think with Wallace and Lucums. <laughs> and with Lucas and Williams, they are definitely in uh, a very comfortable company in, in getting a very fun video. But I love how they felt like they wanted to make this statement. Yeah. About, you know, blind stupidity in politics. People, you know, maybe being like lemming-like behaviour in politics as well. Following each other off the edge of a cliff. I mean, I would do that for you. Aww. Just to put it out there. Because I, I am with Stupid whenever we're recording. And as well, doing that with the lead single from a brand new album. You know, it's a real statement. A lead single should be a statement of what this album's going to be. But they're just going straight out with this massive political statement, which is what the album would be. And I also love the fact that they're making the statement with this huge Trevor Horn production. And I think this is probably the biggest and most kind of like unorthodox pop production on a song. Certainly, again, on a lead single. I remember it took me a little while to get into the song. and There's a lot going on with the different Mm. percussion rhythms, electronics, the blasts of brass. I mean... I absolutely love this song. It's one of my favourites on the album. And I said I would say that a lot today. But it's not an easy single to get into, I don't think. No, it's not. And it's definitely very horny. Mm. Trevor Horn. Yeah. It's The production is interesting. To me, it sounds like a big, no- uh, a big noise in an empty room where it makes almost some of the production almost echoes through the track. And, you know, maybe there's a hollowness there that they're very deliberate. Can I just say, a big noise in an empty room, it sounds like a Pet Shop Boys song. I don't know if we've ever <laughs> likened anything to a Pet Shop Boys song before, but... Or a book, or a... I think, we've, I think we've done that quite a bit. Oh, okay. This was, despite uh, a couple of attempts by the boys to, uh, to push uh, a couple of other tracks further to the foreground for lead single, this was... The, the the lead single. You can see why. Yeah, hundred percent. It grabs you by the knackers quite quickly mm. and quite swiftly, uh, and make and makes you stand up and pay attention. And can I tell you how it did as a single, as the lead single from yes, the album? Yes. Yes. So released in May of two thousand and six, and this one entered and peaked at number eight, top ten single for the lads. Great news. Mm. Elsewhere in the top ten that week, so number ten was the Kooks with Naive. Nine was Chicane featuring Tom Jones with Stones in Love. I used to absolutely love that song. I used to play it to death. Eight, Pet Shop Boys, I'm a Stupid. Seven, Shane Ward, No Promises. I have to say on the 250th episode on our five-year anniversary, I just kind of have to hold my hands up and declare that's one of the first songs I ever bought from iTunes. Shane Ward, No Promises. Really? A novelty song from a cricketer, (laughs) honestly. 
<laughs> Six is Red Hot Chili Peppers with Danny California. Five, Rihanna with SOS. Four, Beat Freaks and Somebody's Watching Me. Three is Infernal from Paris to Berlin. Two, LL Cool J featuring Jennifer Lopez with Control Myself. And at number one, Niles Barkley with Crazy. What an eclectic top ten that was. Yep. And that was the only top ten there from Pet Shop Boys. The only other, the next highest entry uh, was number 13, which was Daz Sampson, Teenage Life. Oh, he couldn't get away with that now, could he? Do you remember the do you remember the Eurovision? Um, I, re- I didn't watch it at that time, so I, re- I remember. I know it was of him it. and a load of schoolgirls, if I remember right. Ah, uh, as part of the release, there was a me- maxi mix, which is just even more of this great track to enjoy. And also, as you'd expect from the lads, a couple of B-sides as well, but maybe more on those later. Also, lovely to see this track uh, top five in Denmark and Belgium. And Spain, actually, as well. Mm. And to be honest, I was a little bit disappointed with the chart performance of this track because I, with with a song that had an immediate hook to it and the video featured two very big stars of that time, I thought it would have penetrated with the British, British public more deeply. Mm. Yeah, it would have been nice for it, to have been, for it to have been higher. But number eight for a... Were they a legacy band at this point, would we have said? Yeah, they've been going for 20 years. So not bad for a band two decades into their career. Just trying to see a positive, Will. That's all. Uh, and that's lovely on our birthday, isn't yeah. it? At least once a year you do it. Mm. Uh, can I just say the single artwork is uh, really nice because there's some neon lights, arrows on it as well. Yeah, in keeping with us and and the campaign. So that's all the singles out the way. Track nine now. Casanova in hell. Back in So Casanova in hell there. I love how after I'm with Stupid, we're kind of slowing things down a little bit here. Still very orchestral, orchestral, one might say. Still very electronic. But this more lush, layered track, ballad-esque maybe in part. And it's all about Casanova, who Casanova, of course, a... A uh, historical figure, a legendary lover by all accounts. Mm. My introduction to Casanova, not the person actually, I wasn't around, but the the name was there's a song in the 90s called I Am Not Your Casanova. Yes. Ultimate Chaos, was it? Yes. Yes. Well done. Me and Romeo are never going to be friends. Yeah. Can't you see how much I really love you? Going to sing it to you time and time again. I've not heard that song for about 25 years, but it just sticks, doesn't it, sometimes? But we're not talking about Ultimate Chaos this week. Are we talking about them next week? No, all the week after. <laughs> Maybe for our 10th anniversary when we run out of Pet Shop Boys to talk about. This song, though, again, another stunner. For me, there's no dud on this album, I'll be honest. And this is just a really nice, more poignant m- moment that's less political, I think, actually. It's just more a love song. And I'm going to harpoon your poignant moment with an erection. <laughs> with the word <laughs> erection. <laughs> Because Casanova is in hell because he can't get an erection anymore oh. because he's too old. So what he's doing is he's reflecting back 
on all of his rampant days, his rampant romping and randy shenanigans uh, in his memoirs, which he's writing in this song. This one way to recapture his virile youth. Well, do you know what? I'm glad you said that because I've never really, with this one, fully understood the story of it. So I'm learning from this podcast as well. But no, you can't be learning from this podcast. You should be educating, not learning yourself. Well, we can teach each Very other. Very selfish. Can't we? We can teach Very each selfish other. Selfish behaviour. Although I did read, you know, the, not everyone approved of the use of erection, but I did read that. There was a line change of his aging fate to contemplate was uh, originally going to be his aging fate to masturbate. And they just thought that, no, they can't put that in a Pet Shop Boys song. An erection is one thing. But to masturbate. But actioning it is mm, quite another. Yeah. Mm. The Musically, just to talk about the song just for a split second, I really love the outro of this one. It goes out on a high. Again, horny is being very horny. There's lots of brass on this one. Um, and Neil's vocal quite defiant as he's talking about Casanova having the last laugh. I'd love to read his memoirs, actually. Casanova's. Ah. It'd be a real page turner to hear about what he's gotten up to. Track 10 now, and here's 20th Century. century there and sometimes the solution was worse than the problem a reflection on the state of the 20th century what's failed what's not gone well and yeah quite somber isn't it but with that grinding winding beat yeah yeah i love the electronics on this one again a real simplicity to it but in a very different way to psychological for example it's very chunky it's like the the bass. No, not the bass, because that's, right, that's a confusing word for that. It's like the foundation of a dance song that doesn't actually have the rest of the layers on top of it. Again, a very minimal production. Very minimal. And as you said, it's all about the idea of the 20th century looking back, the solution being worse than the problem. And in 100 Lyrics and a Poem, a wonderful uh, resource... Neil. I'm so glad you got that book. You're really getting your money's worth out of it, aren't you? I am, and I got it for two for five pounds from HMV as well. So really, it's more than paid for itself, actually. But Neil writes about this song. Modern history is full of examples of the solution being worse than the problem. For instance, Tsarism is the problem. Stalinism is the solution. Communism in Asia is perceived as a problem, to which the Vietnam War is intended to provide the solution. The European Union is a problem. Brexit is the solution. This lyric then takes the lesson learned and applies it to a personal relationship. Let's stay together. Thank you for your detail. Normally we just kind of have a light touch on the meanings and things, but that really lays it out, doesn't it? It does, and I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't paraphrase that because, it, you know, it's straight from the horse's mouth. It's what it's about. Also, love the idea, and, and Petra Boys, and certainly Neil Tennant, does this a lot. They, the song is about politics, or the song is about something bigger 
but it often brings it back to a, a personal relationship. Mm. You can liken it to well, that. Well, it's the domesticity that we love about them, yes. isn't it? You know, these huge political things, but they're making it just about a relationship. A kitchen sink drama as well. You were just going to say kitchen sink drama, yeah. Predictable? No. After five years? Reliable. Thank you. Mm, is there a compliment? <laughs> I don't know. Not sure. Maybe in there somewhere. Um, I also love that, of course, uh, Brexit happened way before this song was written, but a further example of the solution not being... No, what am I trying to say? The solution is... Worse than the problem. Worse than the problem, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm yes. not a Brexiteer, everyone. Just want to make that clear. Gammon. Oh, rhymes. Okay, penultimate track next. It's definitely brimming. But can we make it official? Give me hope. So indefinite leave to remain there. Now, once I think I've said this a couple of times this episode, I've got to hold my hands up here. I've got to be honest. Loved this album for a long time, but didn't really fully know what the song... I knew what the song was talking about, but I didn't know what the title meant until Brexit. And I remember speaking to people at work who were having to apply for this and was worried about the effect it would have on this. And I realised... You know, I've always had an idea of what this song's about, but now I know actually it's super important. It affects people's lives, and that's that is really what Neil was talking about in the song. Yeah, it's the impact. It's also the personal involvement he's had in sponsoring somebody to gain indefinite leave to remain. Yeah. And you know, if you, for that person, this is a, this is your song, Elton John. No, this song is that person's song. You know, that's how strongly and how much Neil cares that he's written a song about that, the impacts that, you know, that has, the process has, and what it feels like to to kind of go there and go through it. I I remember this song of old and it was just lovely. There are some wonderful, subtle, very underplayed electrical electronic flourishes through this track as well, uh, as well as some lovely wind work. Uh, and I just think it's, um, yeah, it's it's a lovely song with a really powerful meaning. It does pack an emotional punch. Mm. And actually, this second side of the album is a lot more political and historical, um, a lot more overtly political and historical, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I've never really thought about it as, as an album of two sides before, but it definitely is and will continue to be when we come on to the next track. But on this one... What I really like as well is the intro that very, again, it's Trevor Horn, it's the horn section, it's the orchestra. Uh, it's kind of, it's just the brass, isn't it? It's like a brass band. And I think Chris mentioned in an issue of literally that that was kind of an ode to um, English town, brass bands in English towns, like a very small town thing, very small community. And maybe linking that to perceptions of an indefinite and someone having an indefinite leave to remain okay we're on to the last track of the album and we're going out with a bang integrity 
An absolutely phenomenal Pet Shop Boys track to end this album, what has been a brilliant album. But for me, the last track on the album is also my favourite track on the album. And similarly, when we, when I was talking about Minimal, everything I love about Pet Shop Boys is in this song, dialed up to 11. And just the immediacy with that chant as it starts, straight in to a beat, Trevor Horn's strings running through it as well, that only he can deliver into a big electronic track like this. And who'd have thought such a big song and dance would have been made out of ID cards? I know. But if anyone was going to make a big song and dance about it, it was going to be Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, true. And the debate rumbles on, doesn't it, about ID cards? And, you know, the lines, if you've got nothing wrong, if you've done nothing wrong, you've got nothing to fear. If you've got something to hide, you shouldn't even be here is a lot of what people say in the argument for ID cards. Like, if you don't want an ID card, then what you got to hide? Yeah. And I guess the argument in this track is around what sort of world or country we would be living in if and when that happens. Yeah. And to be honest, on most subjects, I think... Both of us, not to speak on your behalf, Will, but both of us probably would agree with Neil's point of view on things. He's a very intellectual man. He's a very compassionate man. He's a very uh, open-minded man. Very broad-minded. Very broad-minded. I think he's very well-read, very well-educated, very well-traveled. Yeah. And lives, unlike some musicians, I'm sure, does still very much live in the real world. Yes. And he's acutely aware of what's going on, the problems that we face, particularly in the queer community. He's very connected to that and very respectful of that as well. And this track typifies that care and that connection. You know, the, who else would record a song with such a beat to it that's talking about something that's so politicised now that impacts millions of people? But on the surface... You could not even know any of that and still enjoy this for a fantastic, absolute, you know, benchmark level Pet Shop Boy song. And and it is exactly that. It's I, I said before that Minimal is probably the most the track that most hark backs to their sound. But actually I've changed my mind. I think it's this, because it's the it's the Pet Shop Boys and Trevor Horn sound. It's that euphoria, it's the orchestra with the electronics. This same with you. This is my favourite song on the album. And this, I don't know, might be kind of top 10 Pet Shop Boys songs of all time. It's just everything I love about them, including the lyrical content as well, including their deeper meaning. Um, and it just goes and goes. And that last section of the song, where the strings come to the forefront, it's just amazing. And I've listened to a few of these songs today, getting ready for the episode, and some of the even some of the further listening songs as well. And I've thought... I could hear these on a night out. And I think a lot of people could hear these and just dance and lose themselves because the quality of this music is just phenomenal. Album tracks, technically it was a single, but not fully released kind of thing. These album tracks shouldn't be this strong, but they are. Yeah, there's a seven and a half minute immaculate mix, which is just glorious. And... I'm going to listen to that after this, actually, Will. I've decided. We are. 
Oh, are we? We are. We are, are we? We are. Speaking of we, something I only learned recently while doing the research for the episode is that this is loosely based on the novel We, the dystopian sci-fi novel by Russian author Yevgeny Zamyatin. Um, I read that book earlier this year. You've done a lot of reading this year, I've noticed. Yes, New Year's Resolution, and I've actually stuck to it. So um, I've been thumbing my way through quite a few things. I didn't finish a book last year, so this year has been non-stop. And this was one of them that I just picked up from my local bookshop. Um, just I judged it by the cover, and it looked good. Mm. Um, and right from the off, Neil sings on this, Long Live Us, The Persuaded We integral collectively to the whole project it's brand new conceived solely to protect you that's the basis of the book and even though neil hadn't read it at the time it the book is all about this perfect place where people know their place it's good i'd recommend it actually it's quite a short read as well ah that's why big writing yep lots of pictures so we've reached the end of the album proper further listening coming up but just a word on the reception and performance of this album. Massive success. Uh, basically four and five stars across the board. The Independent in particular gave it five stars. Q gave it four stars. Uh, and I think the general consensus of reviews and reactions were real call outs for uh, best album for, you know, for decades, retur- real return to form. Such powerful subject matter uh and lyricism in it as well and actually a hand a collection really well crafted pop songs and what a wonderful what a wonderful select collection they have been really have i've oh and let me just tell you about the album performance as well (laughs) it got it was a number five album in the uk album chart so we have got some further listening for you and will I'd love to go first, if that's okay. Go for it. Mainly because this track, which I think is actually really both of our choices, because we I know we both love this song. We've actually talked about this song before. On Fundamentalism, it comes next. It's the next track after Integral. So this is Fugitive, and it's the Richard X extended mix. Could not talk about it. Extended mix. There is actually a short version that appeared on the B side of Beautiful People, uh, but I'd say go for this version. But this is a really, really interesting song because, well, first of all, let me say that the reason this didn't appear on the album proper is because Trevor Horn said that he, obviously, he did the whole album. He didn't want to touch this song because of the lyrical content and the track is actually about, well, the original title for the track was Suicide Bomber. And the track is about, in Neil's Neil's words from 100 lyrics in a poem, uh, a boy is trying to understand his brother's intention to unleash a suicide attack inspired by his religious beliefs. That is such a strong subject matter. It's 
one of their strongest, I think. And this is, in my mind, one of their best, shiniest pop dance songs, so, which makes this just such a strange but perfectly brilliant Pet Shop Boys creation. You're a bit torn, aren't you, about really loving this song, knowing mm. what it's about. And, you know, I've read a bit as well about kind of what it could be about and then what Neil ultimately came out and admitted it to be. And, you know, terrorism, fundamentalism, uh, and that feeling of doing what you believe is right, even though it's something absolutely abominable, is a tough subject matter for a song. Yeah. Particularly an upbeat dance track. Yeah, because it's such a good, it's such a good dance song. Also, Pet Shop Boys and Richard X together, mm. you know, match made in heaven. So it is strange because I, I, I adore this song. It's, but, and I, and I adore the lyrics of it because Neil wrote them, because it's clear what it's about, because he's taken on a character as he often does. But it certainly makes you think. And I'm glad we spoke about it because it might might be a bit controversial. But I think that's a good reason to talk about it, as well as it being a really good song. Yeah. And interesting that Trevor Horn didn't want to touch it because of what it's mm. about. I can respect his decision, Will. I'm sure you can. I can as well. Oh, okay. uh, but I am glad that Richard X decided to get involved. Yeah, same. And also, quite an obvious choice for further listening. But I, And we almost said, let's not do the one, it's too obvious. And then I just had a last minute panic and I couldn't not talk about this song. But if you wanted to listen to the almost further listening for Dan, you were also thinking about talking about Ring Road. Ring Road was the one that I was toying around with, as was in private. Mm. So that's further, further listening. Further, further, further listening. But here we go then with mine, which is The Resurrectionist. says this is inspired by a book called uh, The Italian Boy Murder and Grave Robbing in 1830s London. So again, another very fast-paced dance track talking about 19th century grave robbers uh, who supplied medical schools with cadavers. Hmm. So they are resurrecting people for medical use. It's such a strange... Yeah. Subject matter. Yeah. Again, but such a great track. It's a really great track. I'm so glad you chose it because, as we said, there are so many Pet Shop Boys B-sides out there. This was a B-side. And this is one that I'd forgotten about because there are too many out there. There's not too many. That's impossible. There's lots out there. Uh, and I forgot how good this one is. Musically, just a very different kind of electronic pulse going through this one. This was almost on the album. Ah. Very nearly. I think they made the right decision. But I, it could have been in kind of where minimal is, somewhere around there. But it's great to have so such quality B-sides that were almost album tracks. We're out of time. On our 250th album episode. On our fifth anniversary. 
do let us know your thoughts on fundamental, uh, on the fundamental further listening, uh, and some of your interpretations because you know there's a lot you can take from these wonderful songs and a huge 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 thank you to you for listening for subscribing hopefully for supporting the podcast and becoming a patron if you have if you haven't don't forget there's lots of material there waiting for you from Pet Shop Boys there's what is it now Will seven or eight Pet Shop Boys episodes mm. exclusively on Patreon there's 80 plus episodes waiting for you there's new material every month there's episode voting, there's early access when we've got the band with us. I mean, if we are going to go track by track through Pet Shop Boys' new album with them, it'll be there first and there'll be some extra content as well. Mm. So thank you for listening for the last uh, five years and 250 episodes. Uh, we'll be back with 251 very soon. Next week. So until then. I've been the Resurrectionist. And I've made my excuses and left. Oh. See you later then, lovely. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello. 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 Here we go. Here comes. Come to wish us happy birthday. Musically, <laughs> musically, do let us know if you do see any breasts or danglings. He misses the director's cut. Mm. Circumcision. Is he? <laughs> Five years in, still offending. Good. Yeah. Put on the poster. Uh, T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Five years of offensive. Five years of offending. <laughs>